Shut up and sit down. Alright, well, here we go. Hello and welcome to Error 204, the podcast where we discuss theology from a reformed perspective and genuinely nerdy things where there's no content that you won't love. I'm Luke Denner. And I'm Mark Fromey. I know that seems a bit weird for the intro, but uh, we are going to go ahead and put this up as next week's show as well, so we figured might as well get the clean intro going for you guys. Yeah. So on the docket today, well first off we have the very special live stream for you guys. This is going to be weird, I'm going to keep looking at you and looking at the camera and looking at you and looking at the camera. Um, yeah. Maybe burn you a little bit. So I'd rather not fire. have that happen. <laughs> oh man, that's just because you're jealous of the link. It is. His beard is, is beautiful. He wins. The, we came the to the consensus that I win best beard out. But here, here's a better idea. In, in the chat, if you're here, now that you see us in video, you can tell us which one looks better side by side. I also kind of cheated for that. I uploaded a picture months ago <laughs> when my beard was bigger before I shaved it off and then letting it grow back now. So, you know, it was, it was a cheap attempt to win anyway. But anyway, so we're going to be talking today about limited atonement, and then we're actually going to talk a little about Marvel's Punisher, because Mark and I have different ideas as to why it sh- is do. amazing. We both think it's amazing, we just have different ideas as to why. You say that. It, it's amazing, and I'm going to probably punch Mark in the face at some point in this stream. It's going to be fun, we're disagreeing, so it's going to be good. We don't do that a whole lot, so. Not usually, no. Um, well, actually, we do, we just don't a whole lot on the topics we discuss on the show. Yeah. We have disagreements. Anyway, oh, we got another viewer. Hello, other viewer. Hello, person. We are glad that you are here with us today. Um, so yeah, let's go ahead and Matt Calio, Matt. what's up, bro? Hey, let's go ahead and get into our week. So, Mark, you've been back in Illinois. I have for the week. How's it been? It's been awesome, dude. It's it's been good to see family, see friends, be somewhere a little more familiar. It's it's kind of weird coming back after moving so far away because there's like. Everything's still familiar. I still know where things are. I can still get all over the place. But at the same time, there's there's an unfamiliarity to it. Like, I can drive around. It's like, this isn't, this is not a home anymore, right? So it's like, it's all super familiar because I grew up here. But but there's an aspect of it where it's like, this this isn't this isn't home. And Lindsay and I are, just, we've been here almost a week, whole week now. And we're starting to get to a place where like, it'd be, we're, we're getting ready. To, it'd be nice to go back home and be be back at home. So... But we've really enjoyed being here. We've gotten to spend a lot of time with family and friends, and that's been really, really good. We've enjoyed that. Oh, Lindsay's watching, because Miss Swiss said, hi, husband, and I know that's not your wife. No, so. it's not. No, she's at work right now. Hi, Lindsay. Hi, I'm Lindsay. Not your husband, but hi. <laughs> um. So, uh, no, it's been it's been good to be back. Um, we, we've really enjoyed it, and it's good finally getting to see you while I'm back in town, too. So Yeah. That's I, usually I one, of my, my, one of the things that I... Was look, looking forward to most. So, I I got like super giddy as I was getting closer. Like I got to wh- Highway 111 there, and which is about 10 minutes from where Mark was at, his, where his parents live. And I just like got really giddy because a it was kind of nostalgic, remembering like driving out here from college and stuff. And then mm-hmm. you're gonna burn your fingers, dude. <laughs> and then it was also just I got super excited, looking forward to seeing you. Um, so. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely been a good week. Um, had a good week too. Thanksgiving was pretty pretty fun. I ate way too much food. Um, Naturally, I mean I do that most days of my life though. Um, yeah, it's not just a, uh, a Thanksgiving. Like, we get Chinese later. I'll probably get too much food. <laughs> so, but yeah, no, I had a good week. Worked on 
through Wednesday, um, yesterday off, they did dinner with my family, and then went over to my in-laws' house, and we had some, what are you That's doing? That's bright. Yeah. He said, scoot back in the light. It's too bright. It's too bright. Too bright. Um, but anyway, we, so we went over to the in-laws and hung out with them. I was really sad, so Walmart had a deal where we had a, they had a, a 4K 55-inch TV for 300 bucks. And which is absolutely insane. It is, and it was it was out of stock online, which makes sense. Yeah. Um, but so I looked up, and they said they had them in stock at our local Walmart. And so we went in to visit uh, my in-laws. I'm like, we're going by Walmart. We're going to get this TV because I've been wanting one for a while, and they're just too expensive. And so we swing by, and like I look all over that place. All Walmart, our Walmart never even stocked them. <laughs> <laughs> never even had them. Never even had them. Even though it was listed, uh, they did have them online. Even though they were said they had them in stock online. Never. They, they n- didn't even sell out. They just didn't have them. Didn't have. That's them. amazing. Yeah, ticked me off. Yeah, I and can understand that. Today, of course, I get to come hang out with you. So it's been a great week. Um, last night was was one of the weird nights. Like, so my wife went Black Friday shopping, or I guess Black Friday Eve shopping with her family. And so she ended up just spending the night at their house because they live like five minutes from where she works. And so, um, sadly, she was gone last night. And that it's just hard to sleep when she's not there. Yeah. So I, I know I texted you and said I'm not gonna be able to sleep tonight, and you asked why, and I never replied. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, that was why. Did you fall asleep? Is that why you didn't reply? No, I my oh. phone was dying, and so I put oh, it over okay. to charge. Now I watched some Walking Dead, and then, mm. then eventually passed out around two. So. Well, we offended two people already. We went from five to three. <laughs> from five to three. Yeah, so um, if you are tuning into this, we talked a couple weeks ago we did total depravity and we talked about Christian liberty and what we have the freedom to do as believers. And so one of the things that Luke and I talked about on that podcast that we do is uh, smoke cigars and, and pipes and drink while, coffee. While we don't do those things in excess, when we get together, we're going to do those things because it's a really just enjoyable bonding time to sit down with a cigar with each other so that's what we're doing right now while we do this live stream um, wait we're smoking <laughs> well i don't know what luke's doing with his but that's what i'm doing with mine <laughs> I thought this was like soap <laughs> yours looks like it could be a candy cane it's like it does two, it's like two-tone spiraled put it right up in the can right his, the his looks weird yeah, it's 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 good though. It's a very good cigar. Mm. It's a Rocky Patel. We're both actually smoking. These Rocky were Patels. these were recommended to us by Nate McKeever. By Nate McKeever, who we had on last week's episode, uh, which was, yeah, he's. I will always take his cigar recommendations now after yeah, these, these are, after these Rocky Patels. So these are fantastic. Um, but yeah. Oh, your Walmart dropped a shipment of TVs, but I have my Corolla, so I won't be able to get a fifty-five inch home. <laughs> so it doesn't matter. You can figure it out. <laughs> Strap it to the roof. That's good, right? <laughs> But all right, let's go ahead and get into limited atonement here. Um, so again, if you're if you're listening, if you're tuning in, and you have questions about limited atonement, please feel free to ask those. Um, we want to interact. We know this is a more of a hot button topic, um, more controversial topic, and so here we go. In typical error two hundred four um, fashion, we are going to give you. Oh, sad day. Nate's not here. Yeah, Nate's working. Um. Anyway, so we're going to give a brief overview here of Limited Atonement. I, I'm not going to lie, like, this probably is not going to be as streamlined as it is at home, just because it, we're interacting with viewers. We're here together. And we're here together, and so it, it, it makes it a little jumpier, a little sketchier. Plus, you guys usually get an edited version where I cut stuff. 
Yeah, out. that's not going to happen this time. So, so if I say anything too offensive, I apologize. <laughs> Same. Um, <laughs> We're just going to cover that now. <laughs> but anyway, Limited Atonement. So the name, I, I, I hate the name Limited Atonement. And this is another drawback of being live and right here in front of you guys. Instead of being um, at home where I could easily pull up articles on my computer and such. Yeah. Or, or have access to my books. This would have been a good time to prepare and have some stuff with us it, to look to. It would have been. Um, but anyway, Limited Atonement is a horrible name. And Packer actually was one of the guys that turned me on to that. And on to seeing um, Tulip honestly just kind of done away with. And so um, he just goes through and talks about how it, it puts the wrong idea in the minds of the listener. When they hear the mind of the reader. When they hear Limited Atonement. Because what we're not... what we're trying to convey is not a limited atonement, not an atonement that's limited in its power, in its, um, in its sufficiency, and its, what it's accomplished. What we're trying to do, even not even limited in its efficiency, even though it is, it, it actually makes more of it. It makes more of what Christ has done. And so the word limited atonement is pretty bad, and so I, I think um, I'm going to at least try to stay away from that and use the word definite atonement for the rest of the podcast. And that's a fantastic book on this topic that is ridiculously heady and hard to chew through but very worth it and it's, expensive it is expensive. <laughs> it's not a cheap not book, on but... kindle it's not too bad that's oh, really? what i got it okay on. um but it's from heaven he came in solder and throughout that whole book they pretty much use the term definite atonement for that reason because they don't like the word limited yeah. i like definite atonement i've always liked um even more than limited atonement maybe a little less than definite atonement but i've i've always enjoyed like the term um particular atonement particular too. i atonement. think i think that's also fit, fitting in the sense that it's um, it's particular, I guess. And like, and we can get into kind of why, um, why why terminology really is important with this topic in particular. Yeah, and um, it is. It's so important with this one. Um, and also too, when we get into that, I want to get into some things that maybe like I've been guilty of in the past when it comes to terminology, and where there is a um, a freedom or a liberty to use general calls because the scripture sets us up that way yeah um yeah it's good but anyway so that's right off the bat so limited atonement or definite atonement we're going to finally get to a definition 10 minutes later <laughs> here we go <laughs> um definite atonement is the the doctrine of the atonement of christ and what he has accomplished on the cross and so this this actually goes you have to have like substitutionary atonement set up you have to have an understanding of of why christ died before you can even get into this so if you're thinking that um that Christ died to pay a ransom to Satan for people, then we don't even need to start at limited atonement. We need to back up <laughs> yeah. and address that. And so you have to have a proper view of what the atoning work actually was atoning for and who was being paid and all that. So on the cross, Christ paid for the sins of his elect or his church. He paid a price sufficient for the world. We don't want to limit what he's done. Um, we don't want to limit what what he went through. But it is limited in the extent or the efficiency of it. And yeah. so it, it applies only to the church. And this this part of the doctrine I think everyone agrees with. Everyone is willing to say sufficient for the world, efficient for the saved, unless they're universalist. Where it gets tricky is in Reformed theology we would say Christ went to the cross with his goal, with his purpose to save his church. He paid definitively for his church and purchased his bride right then and there. And that's where salvation is resting, is on what Christ has done on the cross, on him purchasing his bride, on him definitively ransoming his people from the wrath of God. And so Christ did not pay for the sins 
of every individual person. Christ paid a price sufficient for the sins of every individual person, but he paid specifically for the elect. Mm-hmm. Would you say that's a yeah a good sum up? I, I think that's a good su- summary. Um, I'm trying to think of what I have to add to that. I mean, it's... <clears throat> I, I wrestled through some... Um, even with that terminology, because I, I thought that s- there was a time when I thought that sufficient implied more than it should. Yeah, because I remember um, we had that, we, we had that that debate. That was actually probably one of the most intense theological disagreements you and I have ever had. It is, and um, I won. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we can say that the Bible won. How's that sound? Okay. Um, no, Luke. Luke is actually the one that really challenged me on that, though, and made me really look at. Uh, again, words mean things, and we need to be very per- specific in what we what we say because um, sufficiency. Saying that, thanks for that. <laughs> saying that uh, that the atonement is that Jesus's death is sufficient for the world and sufficient for all. Um, again, it it does not mean that all will be saved or that Jesus even. Um, I, I still struggle with saying things like Jesus died for all. Yeah, um, and I want to get into that because yeah. I've actually had a little bit of a change of thought on that. Oh, interesting. After reading from Heaven, He Came and Sodder. Gotcha. Um, I, th- I think there is a sense in which Jesus died for all and a different sense in which Jesus died for his people. Um, I, think, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Yeah, I like, I think it was Piper who has said in an article I was reading and again, I, I don't know off the top of my head what it was. It was something on Desiring God. It, I think it might have just been his basic what we believe about the five points of Calvinism or something like that. And he talked about how the death, Jesus' death, um, I think the way that he put it is made all men savable but does not save all men. Mm. And so there, there's an aspect of common grace that extends from um, Jesus' death on the cross. Like there... There's an like because we we've talked about common grace and how you have you know um, even even though we talked about total depravity even though the world is is wicked and man and, and man is extremely sinful um, there is still an aspect of of common grace in the world that even though man is wicked good can still come of things and good can still come of evil men. Um, God, God can use all people for his will and for his glory, even when those people are not believers themselves. Um, and I think there's a sense in which that may be amplified through Christ's death, that there is, there is a grace in the world that, um, maybe even didn't exist before. I don't really know, but I mean, there's, in scripture, it is clear that they, they use statements similar to, Christ died for all, and, mm-hmm. and we have to understand what what is meant by that. We also need to understand in context that some of those places, when they say all, it doesn't mean all in the same way that we sometimes talk about it. Yeah, and I'd say a good example of that is um, like you have the verses in in um, we have Romans. So through one man Adam all have sinned, all meaning the world, and then through one yeah. man Christ all have been saved. All there, same verse. One all means the whole world and the other all means all of the elect. Yeah. Um, same with verses that people will use from uh, Timothy. Um, I can't remember if it's first or second Timothy, but they'll use where again it says that 
Christ has died for all or something to that effect. And so people use those. But the term there and the context there is all of the church, all of his bride. Yeah. Now, where I think people go too far with this is when they come to John 3.16 and they say, for God so loved the world. Well, the world there doesn't really mean the world. Yeah, it does. It's yeah. the, the world cosmos there is used to mean the world. God does love the world. He loves his bride in a different way. Yeah. But especially if we're going to be taking that in context of the following verses where it's saying the world is condemned, well, then it has to be talking universally there. And so you do have to be cautious with where you apply that and definitely look at the context. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, and so there, there is wisdom that needs to be taken in reading these verses. And when it says all, what does all actually mean? Because there are some people who will just say, well, all means all. And that's not always the case. Yeah. That was a lot of alls in a short amount of time. A lot of alls. <laughs> but... Yeah, I think there's there's a lot of passages and, and places in the the New Testament that people see of Paul in particular and and Peter as well when you read 1st and 2nd Peter um there is very much a they speak in very general terms at times and people see that as a um very worldly generality in the sense of like They'll say thing. I'm I'm trying to think of good examples, but people use that to defend um, unlimited atonement or um, universal atonement, right? Yeah. Where, and I honestly and, think. Oh, go ahead. Well, what, thought. my my point is um, in that again, context is key, and we need to understand that in those passages, in those in the epistles, pretty much 100 percent of the time, they're speaking directly to, to the church, church, and they're speaking directly to believers. And so when they use general terms talking about all or us, they're talking specifically about believers. Ephesians 1 is a good place where Paul, yeah. Paul uses the word us a lot or all a lot. And and we need to, need to understand that he's not talking about every single human being in the world. He's talking about every single person that God has called unto himself. Definitely. Yeah. And that's, and that's the whole key theme of Ephesians is written to the church as a whole. And so like you'll hear pastors say when Paul's writing to you, he's writing to you all because it is the yeah. plural form of you. Um, but again, that you all is confined to the church. And so that is, that is key to keep in mind. I want to read something really quickly here just to, this may be taking a step back, but at least have something to back ourselves up. Um, <laughs> That's always good. This is from the Canons of Dort, from the Synod of Dort. And actually, women atonement was one of the primary concerns of that synod. And so it's from the synod that we get the five doctrines of grace, where we get tulip, where it's come from. Now, that's not the ordering they went through. They started with unconditional election, and <laughs> they went into limited atonement um, in response to the Articles of Remonstrance. But anyway, here's, here's what they have to say on the infinite value of Christ's death. This is from the second point, Article 3. It says, this, is the death of, this death of God's Son is the only and entirely complete sacrifice and satisfaction for sins. It is of infinite value and worth more than sufficient to atone for the sins of the whole world. This death is of such great value and worth for the reason that the person who suffered it is, as was necessary to be our Savior, not only a true and perfectly holy human, but also the only begotten Son of God, of the same eternal and inf infinite essence, infinite essence, say that ten times fast, <laughs> with the Father and Holy Spirit. Another reason is that his death was accompanied by the experience of God's wrath and curse, which we by our sins had fully deserved. And so, I think one of the main pushbacks, hey, there goes a plane! <laughs> One of the main... Well, that's like a... Yeah, we're... That is cool. We're right by a... Pri 
So those of you who don't know, we're we're in southern Illinois right now. Specifically, my parents live in Bethalto, which is we're at my parents' house. We're doing the stream, and in Bethalto, there's a small regional airport, and so. I grew up with planes overhead constantly. Yeah, but that was like a little, like, that had yeah. like the four wings. Yeah, a biplane? Yeah, a biplane. <laughs> they, like a biped. There's a lot of those just because We're since, it, since it's a small regional airport, there's not like really, there's not commercial flights that come in, but it's a private airport and there's a lot of people that own their own planes that have them there and will fly them and stuff like that. So Cool. Um, um. Yeah, I grew up with planes overhead all the time. I didn't realize how uncommon that was in other places. Yeah, yeah, that's not super common. That was a cool looking one. Anyway, back to... Uh, Limited atonement. So, <laughs> yeah. um, people's issue with this, or one of the issues with it, is they say, "Well, you know, you're denying the power of what Christ has accomplished. You're denying the uh, the um, you're making little of what Christ has done." And that's not at all what we're trying to do. And the synod very wisely put this in here to show: No, we're not trying to limit it. We're saying it was sufficient for all. And so, I mean, like Mark had discussed, I actually used to be with him on that. And think that sufficient saying it was sufficient for everyone was wrong, because we took a quote. I think it's the wrong way. Was it John Owen who said Christ either died, paid for all? Yeah, of the there's sins. there's three options. He paid for all the sins of all men. He paid for some of the sins of all men, or he paid for all of the sins of some men. Yeah, and um, all the sins of all men leads to universalism. Some of the sins of all men leads to get saved. Yeah, and all of the sins of some men is biblical. Yeah. And and that's accurate, but we were missing the fact that we, he was we, talking about effectiveness. Yeah, the, the issue is we were we equated sufficiency with efficacy, yeah. and we can't do that. There's a difference, and we need to make that distinction. Yeah, and thankfully, um, my pastor was willing to push back in my face on it and get me thinking about it, and which in turn I did to Mark. Um, yeah, yeah. But it was actually these these verses, right? Or not these verses? These um, articles Can, yeah. out of the Canons of Dort that got me kind of seeing why it's so important. <clears throat> that we not neglect that. Um, so let's get into a little bit of the, just the uh, more, I guess, philosophical or logical side of it. Um, the reasoning that this doctrine is so important is because if we're not careful, we do end up doing exactly what people accuse proponents of limited atonement of doing, and we end up making less of what Christ has done on the cross. And yeah. so if we have an understanding what it's talking about here, he's borne the wrath of God. And so if Christ has borne the wrath for people, um. then there's no wrath left to be punished for. And I think this comes out of misunderstandings of hell, but hell is not a place where Satan has dominion. Hell is not a place where the devil's ruling and punishing and torturing people. Hell is the punishment place for Satan, and God is pouring his wrath out there for eternity. And so, if Christ has borne that wrath already, there's no wrath left to bear in hell, and then there is no hell if he's borne the wrath of all men. Which yeah. is why it's important that we say in its efficacy, it is limited to believers. Yeah. And this is where the other debate comes in, though. So from the Reformed standpoint, we would say, at the cross, Christ purchased a people. He bought his bride. They're his. Their sins were paid then and there. And then um, we do stuff to respond in faith. But the reason the atonement is effectual for us is because God determined it to be so. And Christ paid the price on our behalf not because I placed my faith in him. And so it's at the cross, Christ wrote a check with his life for his bride. Whereas the more Arminian or um, unreformed unreformed <laughs> view would be... Pelagian view? <laughs> no, it's not Pelagian. No. Um, no. Christ wrote a blank check with his life. Yeah. And as people place their faith in him, they're added, they're to, added to the check. check. Yeah. Their total is added. 
And the issue with that, there's two issues with that. First off, it means Christ didn't actually accomplish what he went to accomplish on the cross because he didn't actually purchase anything. He purchased the option for people. Um, so it makes less of what he did there. And the second issue with it is it places the crux of salvation on me placing my faith in Christ, which isn't biblical. Again, please don't hear us saying you don't have to place faith in Christ. That is a necessary Absolutely act necessary. in salvation. But it occurs after regeneration. It doesn't precede it. So, And the other side of it, and this is where we've talked a lot as we've gone through this, and this is why I think shortly after we finish these doctrines, we should probably do a an episode on consistency in your doctrine. I agree. Because... One thing that I've heard many Arminian people say, and I've have had people tell me in conversation, that... Um, I bet you just went live on Twitch. Oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the things that is said is, even beyond that, where, where they just leave it with no... Your, your analogy, I think, makes Arminianism even come across better than sometimes it does, where... It's, I think that's what they think, though. It may not be as well, how they, they word they think, it, yeah, but I think that's what they believe. They word it more in a sense of um, Christ died for all on the cross. And paid for all. And paid for all. And everyone, you just have, but you have to accept it. And they, they use, you know, you have the analogy of, well, it's a gift that has been extended to you, but you don't, the gift is not actually yours until you until you take it. And the issue with that is that you've gone beyond saying that I mean, Luke talked about how um, the blank check analogy makes less of what Christ has done. I would argue that this other gift. statement, the the gift attitude, not only makes light makes less of it, but is blasphemous towards Christ's work on the cross. Because at this point, you're saying that when people don't accept that gift, Christ has now failed on the cross at what he tried to do. Yeah. And, and I have a lot of issue with people believing that God has failed at something. Um, exactly. Yeah. And that's, and that's the thing. And that view is actually um, known as singular redemption or singular atonement. Yeah. And that's, that's actually a Molinist view, but it's what most Arminians hold yeah. to is, is singular redemption. I don't know many people in the church who actually hold to an unlimited atonement. Yeah. Because if they Not do, consistently. they would have to admit or have to come to the conclusion that yeah. everyone's going to heaven and we're left with the universalist yeah. um, theology. But anyway, but yeah, so that's that's kind of a, a summation of both sides of Lemon Atonement, a little bit looking into why it's so important. Um, and it is. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a huge doctrine. Um, and there, so we talked about limited atonement as one of the doctrines, or definite atonement, particular atonement. I keep saying limited too, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> That's um, what you're used to saying. It is. Uh, when we talk about how, I think Nate brought it up when we talked about election, where lim- limited atonement or particular atonement is one of the, is probably the most difficult for people to get on board mm-hmm. with. And, and I I agree with that, that it, most people, that's where their hang-up is. And more I think than a anything. lot of that is because bad explanations of it, it more is. than anything. It is. I also would argue that you really need to understand like there is a lot that hinges on this doctrine Mm -hmm. I think 
that even if you're holding to it inconsistently, which I think ultimately a lot of people do hold to it inconsistently whether they know it or not, um, we need to recognize what Christ accomplished on the cross. And if we don't recognize that rightly, then a lot of bad theology will come out of that. And I think we see that present. Yeah. Um, You have what Billy Graham did, I think, is a direct reflection of not understanding or not accepting a definite atonement from Christ mm. where you have very, g- and again, general calls are okay. General calls are needed. We we're called to make general calls because we don't know who the elect is. Exactly. Right. We don't, we don't know who God has called into himself. And so God's commanded us through scripture to proclaim the word to all preach faithfully and make calls to repentance. But I think that not understanding limited atonement has led people to make very general calls and make little of things like lordship theology just to get people saved or get them in the door. In the, in the words of little William Lane Craig, set the bar as low as possible just to get them into the kingdom and then handle everything else afterwards. And I think that is... And that's not biblical. Like, that's, that's not biblical. Flat out, um, flat out against biblical teaching. And yeah. you're doing such an injustice then to people. And that's... Oh, I don't want to be dogging Billy Graham. I, I have no. great yeah. respect for the man. Great and appreciation. And God clearly used him. For Absolutely. What, yeah, for what God did with him. I also have great fear for how many people walked down an aisle at a Billy Graham crusade, thought they were saved, yeah. and died and spent eternity separated from the love of God and subjected to Because his they had false security. Because they had a false sense of salvation. Um, I mean, yeah. Yeah. And you, you think you run into looking at Matthew when Jesus says that not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom. I think that a, a large portion of that is going to be people who had a false sense of salvation due to large evangelists, evangelists like Billy Graham. Yeah. Um, now, again, like Luke said, we're not saying God didn't use Billy Graham. We're not saying Billy Graham was a horrible person. Um, Billy Graham did have some serious error in his theology, but um, God did use him. There's there's no denying that, and praise God for using him. Um, because, God, I mean, God uses all of us despite our shortcomings and despite our sins. Yeah. And so we don't want to just be bashing other people. And we try, I think we try pretty intentionally on this podcast and in general, just in life. Even oh when we have issues with people, we don't want to um, make little of what God's used them for. And we don't want to... Um, exactly. Yeah. The only name we can't bring up on this podcast is Ken Ham because I can't be nice. <laughs> But, um, but yeah, no, so this is, it's a, it's a huge doctrine. Let's go ahead and get into that general call aspect though. Cause I think a lot of people take this doctrine and they use it wrongly to say, oh, we can't make a general yeah. call then, or we can't say things like Christ has died for all or Christ has, um, has paid for all. And I, I we should not say Christ has paid for all cause he hasn't, but I think we're, I think we are very okay in saying Christ has died for all so that whoever believes in him will be saved because that's what scripture says that's how scripture words it so i think we just need those qualifying statements um christ has paid the price for all who place their faith in him yeah and again we need to be cautious that we make sure the emphasis is on christ but we also can't deny a general call and actually that's um the next thing following the the two little paragraphs i read from the canons of dort Article 5 here says the mandate to proclaim the gospel to all. It says, Moreover, it is the promise of the gospel that whoever believes in Christ crucified shall not perish but have eternal life. This promise, together with the command to repent and believe, which I think is what most people leave out is the command to repent and believe, 
ought to be announced and declared without differentiation or discrimination to all nations and people to whom God in his good pleasure sends the gospel. And so it's still our commission, it's still our charge to give a general call. And after reading through, like, you would never hear me say, um, Christ died for all. You, I would always word it, Christ died for men of all nations, yeah. all tribes, all tongues, which is also biblical. And I still tend I te- to stick I tend with to, that. I tend to say Christ died for his people quite often. Yeah. Um, the, the thing is, what we don't want to do, what we want to be cautious and not do, is we don't want to be up in the pulpit preaching and say... Well, Christ has died specifically for his elect, and the rest of the world is damned. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's not what we want to do. Um, we don't want to make this a main issue in our preaching and our teaching. Yeah. It is something that needs to be taught. It is something that needs to come out. But we also don't want to make an issue where there doesn't need to be one. Yeah. And we so. we had a... Um, there, there was a professor we had who... Um, you weren't in this class. And he... We have great respect for him. He was a really cool guy. Um, he was not... Calvinistic or Reformed, really, in any sense. Um, but he he recognized the. I had him for um, a history, a Baptist history class, mm. and he talked about. So I thought you were talking. About yeah, it. he talked about like he recognized, even though he didn't take that stance in the roots of um, Baptists. You're gonna have to answer a question later. <laughs> um, oh, we'll, you're good. I'll answer that in a little bit here. Yeah, we'll do Q and A kind of when we're done with going through our main stuff, but we, uh, he talked about how he, he had no problem denying that Baptists were historically reformed. Um, <clears throat> Baptists were historically Calvinistic, even though he, even though he wasn't really that way. Um, and he talked though about his big beef with that attitude towards limited atonement and election and stuff. Like as reformed folk, we sometimes fall into the trap of, we make it a huge deal and we talk about it in the way that Luke talked about where we we're almost when when the fact that we were called out not because of anything we've done and we've been paid for not because of anything we done we've done should ultimately bring us to utter humility it sometimes brings us to pride because we feel like well we we're one of the chosen or even more than that sometimes we just have an attitude of as reformed people, when we understand this doctrine, we're like, well, we get it, right? Nobody else gets it, but we understand. And so there, there's pride behind that, and it leads to us focusing on it a lot. And and this professor said, and I think he quoted Luther, actually, who said, essentially, there's a special place in hell for people who um, dwell on or focus on the doctrine of election and some people being damned and others not. Um gotcha. I bring that up because I think we need to recognize and be careful that even though we understand this doctrine, we shouldn't be rejoicing in the fact that there are going to be people in hell. While we're here on earth, we have a call, and our call is to be faithful to God and call others to repentance. Now, we're not responsible for their salvation by any means, but it doesn't change the fact that we should have a desire that none perish because God has a desire that none should perish. Um, that's in scripture. Yeah, and again, go back to the verse that most Arminians use to push back against election, yeah. but the verse that I, I don't think has any issue with it, but in Ezekiel when he says, God does not delight when the wicked perish, but when the wicked turns from his way and places his trust in the Lord and follows yeah. after the Lord. And so we can't delight in those things either. We can't delight in the death of the wicked. Is there a, a just delight in seeing wicked punished? Yes. 
God, God will be glorified in His wrath and in His justice. Yes, and um, I think about, I think about like stuff with ISIS though, which I mean, is still a pretty big issue, but it just doesn't get much news attention anymore. Um, but like our tendency can be when we hear, oh, they got bombed or these people got killed, we can rejoice because evil was destroyed, and that there might be some proper rejoicing in that, yeah. and rejoicing at evil being taken out. Um, but there should also be sorrow. Yeah. with that and that people image bearers of God died and and are now spending eternity in hell separated from God yeah. um separated from God's love talk yeah. about being precise with your theology <laughs> yeah um sorry I'm just being a butthole um <laughs> but anyway there, there should be a sorrow in that and, and what's crazy is here in America <laughs> like our tendency is to hate them but you talk to brothers and sisters from the Middle East and they're saying, we are going to come to the doors of ISIS. We're going to put ourselves in harm's way to share the gospel because you guys need this desperately. Yeah. And so they have an understanding of this. That's what this all should all be driving us to is knowing no one is beyond God's salvation because yeah. it hinges on God. He's the one who's purchased people. He will save those he's called to save. And our responsibility is to proclaim the gospel faithfully. Yeah. So that's what this should drive us to. Um, so, But yeah, no, as far as the general call, though, I thought it was interesting. Like Calvin had no issue. Yeah. With the no. general call. And there are people who would say he doesn't hold the limited atonement. I think if you read his works, it shows pretty evidently that he did hold to a limited efficacy yeah. of the atonement. Um, yeah. But again, he was a guy who didn't dwell on that. Right. He did believe it, but his focus was not on who's saved and what did you... Like, he talks about Jesus Christ's accomplishment on the cross, but his focus was on our responsibility as believers in response to that. And so... Um, People say that he didn't believe in it just because he didn't write on it a ton. Yeah. Because he didn't feel a need to. He, he had other things he was going to focus on. Yeah. The interesting thing is Biza, who was a huge student of Calvin, as the one that most people accuse of coming up with this doctrine when it's been evident throughout church history before him. But anyway, yeah. he, uh, he wrote it, and with his influence from Calvin, it's pretty evident that um, yeah, that was something that Calvin did believe. And so I do want to say this, though, like, these doctrines are important. This theology is important. We need to get this right. We need to be cautious, though, like Mark said, that we don't put this over the gospel. Um, I think this is integral to the gospel. I think it's a foundation for the gospel. Yeah. But I don't think... These aren't things we need to be divided over, I guess is what I'm trying to say. There can be unity. We can disagree on yeah. these things to an extent, and there can be unity. A lot of that disagreement, I think, has to come from a realization that people aren't consistently holding yeah. to their theology. And at the same time, that can sound really arrogant. I don't mean that arrogantly. At the same time, also recognizing this is not something um, that we can declare anathema on. This is not something that's damnable. As long as people aren't saying, oh, everyone's going to heaven and Christ paid for everyone and we can do what we want. As long as people are saying, Christ paid the price, we place faith in him, we yeah. repent and we believe, and we're saved, then we're good. We can we can disagree on these outliers. Yeah, if we, if we disagree on just the theology side of it but are still in unity on the application then we can to an extent we can to an extent we can show grace to one another as brothers and sisters in Christ and move forward with the mission that God's called us to which is to make disciples and proclaim his name to everyone yeah um the professor mark mentioned who is not reformed is a, Love to a dear brother and Absolutely. someone i consider a friend and would be very happy to stand side by side with sharing the gospel there's a man at my church who you you mentioned reformed theology <laughs> in like his hair raises on the back of his neck. Um, he just goes into attack mode. 
and and he's like the nicest guy I've ever met, and I love him to death, and um, am honored that he is my brother, and honored that he is my friend, and so I am totally free, and he's totally free, and we're free to disagree with each other, and yet I don't know a guy that has shown more love to me, um, outside of like a, a select few really close friends. I don't know a guy that would just drop anything and come for me like he would. He's just honestly a great guy and a great Christian, so we can disagree on these things, and it's okay. So keep that in mind, too. If you don't agree yeah. with us here, um, we're not going to say you're not a Christian, which unfortunately some people would. Yeah. But anyway, so that, that's limited atonement pretty well summed up. Um, if you guys have questions about it, send them to us. We'll do a little Q&A now. I'll go ahead and answer Yeah, them. we love for you guys to ask questions. And if um, even if it's questions on Facebook, if you don't have like a Twitch account, I don't know if you're allowed to comment if you're watching um, on Twitch and you don't actually have a Twitch account. So uh, if you're watching and... You don't have a Twitch account and it won't let you comment and chat. I'm going to have our face, the Facebook post that I made pulled up, and you can comment under that thread, and we'll try to get to those questions too. Yeah. Um, I do we, wanna, we love to answer some questions. I do want to throw this out really quick because we didn't give like any scripture to back that up the whole way through. Um, so in Isaiah, is it 53? 56? Is it 53, I think. 53. The end of Isaiah 53 talks about Christ being the substitution in our place, Christ being the lamb led to the slaughter, and it says, and on him were laid the sins of many. Many. Um, you have the beginning of Matthew and it says his name is we call the Manuel and he will um, save his people, his people from their sins, not save the world, save his people from their sins. Yeah, um, I think, too. So I had I'm going to tell this story, too, because this made me look into it a lot. There's a man I know that I went to church with growing up who is is not a Calvinist, is very Arminian in his theology. Uh, again, dear brother, love him to death. Great unity between us. Um, but he we were talking about this specific doctrine in the atonement and he, he brought up, he raised the question, who did Jesus have on his mind and on his heart when he died on the cross? Um, and for him, that was the defense of, well, Jesus, Jesus was thinking about all of his, all, all people and all humanity when he died on the cross. And I think when you read through John and you have Jesus praying in Gethsemane and all this different stuff, there is a, Jesus is very, very focused on his people. He's focused on his disciples. He's focused on the, those that God has called and chosen. And he talks about, um, you know, leading up to it, we have the stories in John John 6 and John 10 where he's talking about his sheep knowing him and people not being, his, not understanding him because they aren't called. <laughs> Jesus is very focused on there is some that are and some that aren't, Right. Mm-hmm. I think that's Avery Wood. That's what I was thinking, so I was trying to confirm. Avery, Stonewall, to... you have to tell us if that if you're Avery. I, I was... think I think that's who you are, but I don't remember I thought your so name. Too, but I was trying to stalk you on Steam and see if I could see, and I couldn't find it. Oh, it's not working around on my phone. Anyway, I'm pretty sure that's you, Avery. Um, yeah. Let us know if you're Avery or if you're somebody else and we're idiots. Uh-huh, because that's also very possible. Um, I mean, we are idiots. That's, yeah, that's, that's undisputable. Anyway, um... When we, I, th- I think when we look at Jesus' actions and words and prayers leading up to his crucifixion, his focus was very much on, on his people. His focus was very much on those that God would call. Very nice. Kept that thing from dying. I'm actually really impressed by that. That was good. Yeah, that makes two of us. <laughs> his, his focus was on, on his people and... Um, so I think we need to recognize, again, there, there is, it is consistent with Scripture. And then when you read through the epistles, it's very evident that 
Paul, Peter, John, James, the, these guys that are writing, they see God, they see Jesus' atonement as effective for his people, not necessarily for all. And so, again, we don't have our Bibles right in front of us, which was our mistake. We probably yeah, should, we should have, have but um, th- this goes in line with everything else. If you disagree with us, if you think that we're wrong on something, test us against the scriptures because that's, it's very possible that we are. Mm-hmm. And if we are, and you find out that we are based on scripture, please tell us because we would like to correct our theology. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we we want to be we want to be consistent and we want to be faithful to what God has revealed to us. And so we believe this, and we believe it to be biblical. It's a good stick. Is it a good stick? I'm just enjoying it. Yeah, this is this one. So I'm smoking a Connecticut, which anybody who's a cigar smoker, um, if you if you've never had a Connecticut, have one. If you have, then you should be in agreement with me that it is one of the best style of cigars that there is. They're my favorites. Smooth, light. It's great. I love it. Anyway, um, but yeah, yeah. No, uh, send us send us feedback. Um, we were right. Yeah, it, it is, is Avery. It's Avery. So Avery, here we go. I'm going to answer your question now um, and try and do it in and a, be it great. Do it graciously as, say, as much as you can and try and be gracious and and kind. Um, my issue with Ken Ham. Um, starts back like two or three years ago when. Um, answers in Genesis. Spent. By the way, Avery is actually a uh, major in apologetics. So awesome. You should be able to have an interesting conversation yeah, with him you, on Yeah, you it. probably know more than I do here then. Um, <laughs> go ahead and send me this back in chat too. I'm curious of like what method is your preferred method. Um, I think he's precept, but I don't know for sure. Um, anyway, so a couple years back, two or three years ago, Answers in Genesis spent a buttload of money to rent... <laughs> an ad space in Times Square on New Year's Eve to put up a um, a message, like a six-second message, and I'm, I'm trying to remember so I do justice to what they actually said here. Um, and it, it was something along the lines... Uh, I'm going to I'm gonna have to look it up really quick if I can. Actually, can you look it up? Your phone's faster yeah. than mine. Um, anyway, whatever the message said, I'll get to that in a second. I found it very demeaning to the lost... I found it very offensive um, and and unnecessarily aggressive. And so that started turning me off to him. Um, and then as I just started reading more of his works and seeing more of his stance, and, and honestly getting more of a distaste for just how evidential apologetics was done, um, it started really, really turning me off to him. He also, like, answered in Genesis, put out some ads along the highway that had a picture of the Ark and said, here's one ship you can't sink. Um, and so, basically, they were spending money to insult lost people and not proclaim the gospel. They could have taken that that ad time and done something to say, um, it was something like that. Mark's got it here. So, it was a 15-second ad um, that ended with, thank God for freedom, along with a large image of a cross. Um, and then underneath of that, it said to all of our intolerant liberal friends, with an emphasis on the word intolerant. Um, so yeah, to atheists, thank God you're wrong. It, something along those lines. I like, think they had something like that too. But yeah, so it had that to all our intolerant liberal friends. Thank God you're wrong. Um, thank God for freedom. And so, and it wasn't talking about freedom from sin. It was talking about freedom of speech. And so they rented this ad to promote this American ideal of. Uh, this Americanized Christianity of thank God for our freedom of speech and we're going to say what we want and do what we want instead of saying something along the lines of you know repent and believe put your faith in Christ which an ad's not a great way to do that anyway I think there's much better ways that money could have yeah. been spent 
Um, but he's done stuff like that. Ken Ham in, in the past two in debates I've watched has just been a little more aggressive towards people. He can than be I, very ungracious. Than I think he needs to be. Recently, one of the big things he did that ticked me off was he lobbied for for months to get um, where where is he where is his big arc museum? Is it down in Ohio where it's near? Is it near the Creation Museum? It's near the Creation Museum. That's yeah. that's near Cincinnati. Then. Okay, so in the Ohio area. Anyway, he lobbied to get their um, their foundation <clears throat> non for profit. And, and he had to work really hard to do it because they were selling tickets and they got stuff like that to get in. And so he gets it, and the whole reason he was doing it was to get a tax break. And a few months later, they changed the way ticket sales work with non-for-profits, and they would have to pay taxes on them. And so he sold the foundation to himself for a dollar to avoid paying taxes. And I get all the taxation is theft and taxation is wrong and our <laughs> government is screwed up. Trust me, every time I see my pay stub, I get ticked off with taxes. <laughs> There's something to be said for render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, and there's also something to be said for being in a community, this tax he was paying was going directly towards schools and saying, screw this community, screw these schools, I want my money. Which yeah. isn't what he said, but in essence is what he conveyed to the lost world. Very shady. For, and again, it, it reflects poorly on us as believers, I think, when we see when there's big names, when there's um, celebrity status people um, of the faith... Who, and and I don't I don't have any doubt that Ken Ham is a believer. Um, I won't say anything. Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, but when people like that do something that is that shady or um, dishonest, really, I, it reflects poorly to the world of who we are as as Christians. And and we can hate tax. Um, I I don't. I don't call myself a full-blown libertarian, mostly because I have not studied libertarianism enough, but I definitely lean that direction. And I, I like anarchy, so I'm libertarian. <laughs> I, I very much stand um, in the taxation is theft attitude. That said, I think that even though we can hate it and think it's wrong, we're still called to be obedient to the government that God's placed over us. Yeah. And so I think that we need to be respectful of that. And I think that this ultimately was a very disrespectful or dishonest thing done by well, Ken Ham. But. Even beyond that, if you have the money to rent a freaking ad in Times Square on New Year's <laughs> Eve, you can pay your flipping taxes. Yeah. Like, the dude's not hurting for money. Um, but, but yeah, that's that's my main my main beef with him, is just kind of the way he's done some business practices that have been shady and just his aggressiveness towards the lost. Yeah. Um, and that, that always ticks me off when believers treat the lost like they're believers and so they get mad at them for acting like sinners when they're sinners yeah and so um instead of calling intolerant people intolerant because they're lost and don't know that they need a savior tell them about the savior that's going to redeem them not how ignorant they are yeah so um yeah. i'm about to go off camera because i want more coffee can you get me some too yep. while you're off camera i'm gonna do a little monologue here Oh, I wish I could remember my red skeleton thing. Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, once you put him twice. <laughs> no, I won't do that to you guys. Um, but anyway, if you're still there, Avery, did that answer your question? Our viewers list doesn't show super well who's there and who's not. It's super well. Yeah, it's 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 easy to be snarky at times, and um, I think that there can. I'll go ahead and say I think there can be a place for that for being aggressive towards people. I mean, when you look in the pet, and again, they're not always good examples. Um, Luther said a lot of stupid things, mm -hmm. but Luther also saw 
benefit in being aggressive to make a point. Sometimes I think you went too far with that, but there are times where I think that can be okay. Um, I think there's a difference, too, though, in the fact that Luther was aggressive towards the Catholic Church, which is propagating and teaching heresy, yeah, and are claiming to be believers and are wolves in sheep's clothing, I, I, as opposed yeah, to lost true. people who are not claiming to be believers and who are not promoting I, heresy. I personally, like... My snark and my sarcasm and my aggressiveness when that happens is almost 100% towards people who at least claim to be believers. Right. Um, I try not to be that way towards lost people because, like Luke said, they we can't expect them to live like us. Um, we can't expect sinful people to do um, God-like things. Yeah. There's common grace, but they're it, also it, still sinners. When it does happen, it's purely because God is expressing his common grace. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I think that there's... There's a difference in the way that we carry ourselves. It's, Luke feels about Ken Ham the way that I tend to feel about William Lane Craig, which we'll talk about. We're going to do Later. an apologetics episode, and so we'll talk yeah, about so that. So Avery, you can give us feedback and tell us how bad we are there. Yeah, I know Avery and I have talked about that a little bit. Um, you'll turn Priest up at a whim. whim. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I'd love to have a conversation with you sometime, Avery, about yeah. why that is, because I'm someone who doesn't tend to be a huge fan of evidential. Same. And I'm trying to be more gracious towards that. And so if I could like have solid brothers explain to me why. And I think I think your in your comment what you just said um at the end of the of both of them I conclude with the gospel. I think that's where a lot of evidentialists go wrong. Um I see a lot of people who don't conclude with that. William Lane Craig being one who again, I've been um Mark's just going to bash him all day long. I'm not. I can communicate very graciously. <laughs> Um, I can't do what I want to. I I've just, I've witnessed. I was so nice to Ken there. Okay, <laughs> I've I've listened to a lot of William Lane Craig and been reading a lot of his stuff for my seminary class currently. And um, it died. Oh, with with that, there's and everything that I've seen him talk about, believers or non-believers like, he very rarely ever goes to the gospel in the end, and that that really turns me off because I think. Um, Kyle Nielsen, actually, I was talking to him recently, and he put it really well in that converting someone to deism is not a win for us as Christians. Um, mm-hmm. Someone going from there is no God to there may be some kind of higher being doesn't make a difference. Um, unless they are putting their faith in Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter what we convert them to. And so I think that when the gospel's left out, that's where it becomes a really big problem. Um but we'll we'll talk more about that when we do an episode on apologetics, which we do still plan on doing eventually. Yeah, it's just dead. Oh, yeah. Nice. That makes me sad because there was still a decent amount left in that stick. Yeah. But it went out anyway. Um, yeah. So let's let's talk a little bit about the Punisher. Talk about Punisher. All right. So I didn't think I was going to get to watch this show before we did this because. So it released on f- last Friday, so a week ago. Uh, that I worked a half day that day, and then Lindsay and I spent seven hours in a car driving down here. And then we've been doing stuff with family and friends, and I, I did not think I was going to get have any time to watch any of it, much less all of it. But because I was working, so I worked Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday morning. I worked remotely because obviously I wasn't in Michigan. That's kind of the advantage of IT. And um, while I was working remotely since I was just at my parents' house working. It was kind of slow, the stuff I, I wasn't having to interact on the phone and stuff. So I ended up just turning Punisher on on the TV while I worked. 
And because of that, since I was working my normal hours, which is usually about nine, nine and a half hours a day, I watched through the entire show because it's only 13 episodes. Um, and so I was able to actually make it through the whole thing. So I'm going to let Luke talk first because I know his opinion on the show mostly. He doesn't really know my opinion on the show hardly at all, and I left it that way on purpose. Yeah, I think Mark's an idiot. That's all I know. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I thought it was great. I loved it. Um, Right up there with Daredevil for me. Jessica Jones is still my favorite. Jessica Jones is my but favorite too. Right up there with Daredevil. Thought it was fantastic. Um, it got slow at points, but it felt like Marvel's John Wick, and so I, I appreciate <laughs> it. Like I was really concerned at the start that they were going to make him soft, and I felt like that would be a huge injustice to the Punisher. Um, but I was afraid they were gonna gonna do that. I was honestly actually really surprised too with the stance on gun control in that show. Like, it almost came across as pro-gun control, which is something you don't mm. usually see. Or not not pro-gun control, anti-gun control. Pro-gun yeah. usage, which is something you don't usually see. Um, yeah, it got pl- pretty political in some a few of those episodes. Yeah, but almost, like, to the wrong side for politics. Um, at least that was how I took it. I didn't see it yeah. being huge anti-gun. It definitely I, um I think that they kind of... I'm with you where they kind of poked fun at... Or, or were kind of bashing... Um, the anti-gun people. You missed the last three to five minutes. <laughs> uh, We're talking about Punisher now, um, and how much Luke liked it, and I'm going to give my opinion <coughs> after he's done. But anyway, I thought it was great. Um, man, if, if you haven't seen it, spoilers, The um, so I'll give like ten seconds here for you to shut off your feed before I say it. Um, but, man, at the end when, when we get to see why, um, I can't think of his name now, why the villain is Jigsaw, and how he becomes Jigsaw <laughs> is his face is getting grated down a mirror of glass and yeah. just shredded. That that was cringy. That hurt me. Um, but overall, I thought the villain was great. Oh. All right, we're having technical difficulties now. Did we lose, like, internet connection or something? I'm trying to think. I don't know. Maybe stop and restart the stream. I don't want to do that if I don't have to, because that's going to break it up. Oh, yeah, we're offline, so. Oh, of course. All right, as I go to stop it. Maybe it didn't stop it because of that. I don't know. Okay, we're back. Sorry. All right, we're back. We had technical, technical difficulties. difficulties there. Don't know what happened. Oh, there's a B. Um... Hi, B. Anyway. Um, what was I saying? I was saying, oh, I thought the villain was great. I thought they did a really good job with that. Um, it was hilarious because my wife doesn't know much of the Punisher comics or anything like that. And I don't know a whole lot. But um, <laughs> anyway, um, I did know that he was going to turn out to be the bad guy and that we were going to have... Um, hey, our viewers are back now. Cool. All right. Um that was technical difficulties on our part if you didn't hear that. Yeah, I don't know apologize. what happened, but we had a disconnection, so Um Yeah, that was that was on our end, I think. Should be good now. Avery. Um anyway, I was saying that thought thought the villain was good. Um My wife didn't know enough about the comics to know he was Jigsaw, I did. And so I was having a blast like she was actually really starting to like his character. Mm-hmm. And then he turned out to be the bad guy and so she was upset with that. But yeah, it was a it was a great Great show, in my opinion. Um, 
I mean, like all the Marvel shows, I probably won't go back and rewatch it, but I appreciate it. I'm excited and hoping we'll get a season two. So that's my thoughts. I also just like John Barenthal. John Bernthal was phenomenal. Like, I, he's just a beast. Yeah, I have no qualm. Like, I loved the acting. I, you know, John Bernthal was phenomenal. Um, as was everyone else. I thought that it was a really well acted. Show it was really well put together. Um, so from a, from a purely technical standpoint, as a show, I thought it was good. Um, the story was pretty true to Punisher. In a lot of ways. Um, that said, I think the whole corrupt government, all that kind of stuff, it was, it comes across, it was a very un- unoriginal in a lot of ways. Oh, yeah, it wasn't original at all. Yeah, um, which is fine, and that's not a huge deal. My, my biggest couple issues... It had way more sex in it than any other... I, ha- I dislike that a lot. ...than any other Marvel show so far. Um, there was a lot... and. So, again, if, if you haven't seen it, this is in reference to the last episode. I won't give really anything away, but Punisher, Frank Castle, is being interrogated. Yeah, that was just weird. And he's going, he's drifting in and out of consciousness, essentially, is what it is. And as that's happening, like, when he's unconscious, he's essentially having a sex dream about his well, that, he, about his Well, it went through the whole phase. Like, it went through their first dance at their wedding yeah yeah there it there was a progression but eventually it got to where it was just them having sex yeah and he would like it would show that for a little bit and then it would cut he, back he'd come back he, he'd, he'd wake up again he's being tortured again all this stuff and then he'd go unconscious and there was a little bit more and then it, like and so for me for me i was watching it on my parents apple tv and the apple tv netflix interface is terrible and so it was like trying to fast forward through it every once in a while, and it was like it's like all right, go oh now we got to stop, and like it was like back, and, <laughs> so it was super choppy and difficult to to watch that. But so yeah, there was you more had trouble watching the sex. <laughs> so shouldn't be watching it, Mark. Tr- skipping. Trouble skipping it. Um, so because there was other like while he's being interrogated, there's vital plot points and right. stuff going on, and so on like an Xbox or computer or PlayStation, it would be the interface would make it easier to skip those things and still without it being as difficult. But the Apple TV made it really, really complicated. But yeah, so there was a lot more sex than I cared for. Um I thought it was mostly unnecessary and all that kind of stuff. And that's a conversation that I mean I feel that way about sex in any show. Yeah, you, it, you can always imply sex without having to show anything. Yeah. And so And the problem with like Punisher is they have conversations while they're doing it or right after and so if you miss that you miss plot stuff. Yeah, um, but the other spot, one of my biggest issues with it that made it just an okay show for me is that some of the violence, and, like, I expect it to be violent, I expected it to be gory. It's Punisher. I'm f- I, that doesn't bother me, and I don't have a weak stomach. None of it made my stomach turn or anything, but especially in the last few episodes, there was some, there was some violence that I felt like was gruesome purely for gruesome sake. Mm. There wasn't it, it wasn't necessary. I mean, I think that I can watch the I can watch that show. I can see him the stuff that Punisher's doing. I know he's the Punisher, right? I don't need to see him doing like you brought up grinding a guy's face against a mirror. That wasn't necessary to me. I I get See, I, I feel like it was cuz it made Jigsaw Jigsaw. I get that. But I felt like it it focused on it too much. Even if, like, there's ways you could have done that without showing it to the extreme that it did. 
See, or I disagree with you there. I think all that was because it's the Punisher. Yeah, and I get that to an extent, but I, I mean, how is it any of that different than like John Wick, which you love? That's true, and I knew you were going to bring that up when you mentioned John <laughs> Wick. Um, but even John Wick did not go as far as Punisher did in certain areas. Um, I'm trying since Avery said he hasn't finished it. I'm scared. There's the one before that. Yeah, where he. That was, I think, very yeah, I un- very unnecessary to me. Where, again, even if you... Okay, sh- no, but still, it's the Punisher. He's been through all this stuff. He wants his revenge. I, but you can show that from, like... They didn't show, like, anything... Take a shot from a different angle. You can still tell what he's... You can make it clear what he's doing without sitting there and showing this dude's face ooze blood and, like... But they didn't show, like, anything actually, like... It's not like you pull him out and eat him. <laughs> or anything like that. Um, that was one of my biggest issues, though. Is I gotcha. feel I feel like there. Was... I can see that. I disagree. I think with the and manner of fine. Punisher, it it fits. Um, I've also gotten back to my strong stomach phase, and so it didn't. It didn't. Bother <laughs> it me. didn't bother me. I go like, in and out of phases. Like you'll ask Mark, like there will be like months where I'll only watch comedies. Um, because see, I win. Avery agrees with me. <laughs> Avery agrees. Um. All right. <laughs> but. And like I said, like, there are phases where I can't watch it. My other question would be like, you like The Walking Dead? A lot of the Walking, I like The Walking Dead too. Um, a lot of that feels like unnecessary gruesomeness. Like seeing people get like with Noah. When if you haven't seen this, sorry. When Noah dies and you see him getting ripped apart as Glenn is watching, that felt so unnecessary and so grotesque. That's one of the things that turned me off to the show. Yeah, and there, I think there's a difference in that. And then what happened well, to the Punisher. And th- there's aspects to Walking Dead that, for me, like Punisher. I'm not saying that I dislike Punisher because of these things. I'm saying that, for me, Punisher will only ever be an okay or good show, not a great show. Gotcha. Because I think that it it could have lent its time to things that were more beneficial from a storytelling standpoint. And See, like that. and that's where I would disagree because it's the Punisher. It's not supposed to have a good story. It's supposed to have a lot of kills. Punisher does have a cool story. Like, <laughs> When Punisher shows up in other comics and even in his own comics, there is good story to punish. Like, I wish like it's like John Wick. There's not a good story. There's well, just see, a lot of killing. I go into John Wick not expecting there to be a good story. I'm watching that purely for entertainment. When I'm watching a show, when I'm going to invest the time for a TV show, I want a story. There was a story though, but again, there there was a story, but. It will only ever be it, the story okay was to only me. okay. I agree wholeheartedly there. And because there. of that, the show is not a great show to me. Although I do think they did some good stuff with the story. I thought they had there some, was some really cool stuff. Some the, good. There were some turns. great twists. There were some good turns. Um, um, I thought again, and the way they developed Castle too, and like kind of made you see why he is the way he is and why he is who he is. I will um, tell you, my favorite character in the show is not Frank Castle. My favorite character in the show is David Lieberman. I oh. love his character, and I think that the the strength of the show and character progression is him more than it is Frank Castle. I agree with that. Uh, he was a phenomenal character. I, I did enjoy that. And again, I th- the acting of everyone in the show is fantastic. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, that's true. Like, Micro is a huge... Micro is... Huge yeah. part of the show. Yeah. A- a- for a minor part of the show, ironically. Yeah. Oh. My cigar turned, so I'm done. <laughs> Just taste burnt now. Nah, that's where mine was after I cut and relit. Um, and so... But, like, there's part of me looking at this, so... I don't know how much. I know you're not a huge comic book guy. I'm not even. I'm not a huge comic book guy, but I was at one point. Yeah. And I, I've definitely read more comics. I think probably than oh, you. Oh, I don't, dude. I don't know. If I've ever actually sat down and read yeah. a comic. Um, I so I read some online, but 
Yeah, I don't know where you're at with this either, Avery, but, um, like, I was actually disappointed when Marvel put out Civil War. Because, because they didn't it have was, the cast. It was, very, it was very different from the from the actual comic, um, which I'm okay with variations, but it part okay. of it was just... But in the comic, you had, like, every freaking and superhero I, I get in that. the Marvel Universe. You can't pack that into a screen. And, and I, that didn't bother me that much, but, like, just the way some of it handled was... I mean, it ended drastically different. Everything about it was very, very different. It's I mean, Disney. If you do, you even know like the comic story very much at all? So it ends with Captain America being arrested and put in prison, essentially, um, because he fi- he finally decides that he's wrong and just turns himself in. Um, but one of the things that happens, and and this is why I would love for there to be more crossover from the show shows of the movies, and I wish Punisher had come beforehand because Punisher becomes one of the breaking points for Captain America in Civil War. Mm. And that Punisher joins his side, which is we shouldn't be registered and all this stuff, which it makes sense that Punisher doesn't want to be registered. Yes. But in doing that, Captain America is reluctant to let him join because he's Punisher and knows what... Like, difficult to rein Punisher and obviously Captain America doesn't want to be killing anyone. And Punisher goes off and he gets them some information or something. I'm trying to remember... I don't remember all of it, but whatever he does, he ends up killing like a bunch of people. And Captain America beats the tar out of him for doing it, which is would have been hilarious. To, I, I, I basically I just wanted I want to see, see Captain America. I beat. want to see Chris Evans beat the tar out of John Bernthal. Okay, <laughs> like IRL that wouldn't work. <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> but it so there was some aspects of that. Like I would have loved to see Punisher as a character in Captain America. I would have loved to see more crossover from those universes. Oh, but, I'd love to see the Defenders show up in an Avengers movie. But I don't, th- I don't think they're going to do crossover in the same way that DC is not crossing over shows in, in their movies either. Yeah, and they can't really. And That's... I'm okay. Like, that doesn't bother me. But there's just... Punisher, I feel like... This is the other... Talking about this with you now, this is making me think... Punisher is a way more in-depth character than I think the show gives him credit for. Some, and the show does add some depth to him, for say, sure. I felt like the show gave him some decent depth. But there's a lot more to Punisher as a character, and I think in his stories, that could have been better portrayed in the show. Yeah, I feel like the show intended itself to be more John Wick style, in the sense that it's going to be violent and entertaining, not mm. necessarily extremely in-depth in story, which is very counterintuitive to what most of Marvel shows are. They're very story-focused, and so... Yeah, I want to see, I want to see them bring back the Punisher Daredevil dynamic. Yeah, because Daredevil is so anti killing anyone, and yeah. then the Punisher kills everyone. Everyone basically. Now yeah. he doesn't. If they don't deserve it, yeah, deserve it. Yeah. Um, he doesn't kill them. But yeah, yeah, that's true. So, all right. Well, there's our thoughts on Limited Atonement, the Punisher, and a little bit on Ken Ham <laughs> um, and William Lane Craig. We appreciate you guys tuning in. Um, we're going to go ahead and, and stop the recording here. We can hang out on Twitch for a little bit, though, if you guys have any questions or anything. Yeah, if there's any questions, Avery, if you, you got anything discuss, you want to talk about. We'd be happy to I mean, to we, we can talk about just talk with you. about ourselves and any anything you may be interested in. So Yeah, and we'll throw that up on YouTube later, but we're going to go ahead and stop the podcast here. So for those of you listening to the podcast, we appreciate it. Um, appreciate you guys' support. Don't forget to check out our Black Friday merchandise. Yes, we got um, shirts now. Yeah, and, and other stuff. You can get that. You can get those designs on pretty much anything. By the time you get this on Tuesday, the sale will be over, but the it's shirts still will still be available for purchase. Um, you can get it on shirts, mugs, anything you want. Shower curtains, duvets. Huge shout out to Mark's wife, Lindsay. Yeah. Um, she put time into doing all these awesome designs for us, and she's really good at it. So we really yeah. appreciate that. 
Um, we're going to upload this whole video and probably we'll upload it to YouTube and we'll probably post a link to it in, in the group. Yeah. So, so if you want to see the actual video podcast and not just listen to the audio, um, then you're welcome to do that. You can, you, it's just us sitting here with a pretty nice scenery in the background and uh-huh. just smoking cigars. Yeah. So, and I will edit that video so that way we get the technical issues out of there. Um, so thank you guys. Yeah. We will catch you later. Yeah. See ya. Bye.